0: so glad that you are here. If you have your Bibles, open them to 1 Peter chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to take one of the ones in the seat back in front of you and open that. You can look at the table of contents, find the page for where 1 Peter begins. And we're just there last week, just two verses in. And what a great service. We had folks... Uh, surrendering their lives to Christ here and placing their trust in Him for uh, what the future will hold for them. And that's exciting. That's what we're here for. Amen? And so what a great, great time that was. And so we're glad that you're here. We're going to continue today, uh, beginning at verse 3. So First Peter chapter 1, and we'll begin at verse 3. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's the Word of God for the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. Well, Last week, we had a, a great time and we began to look at this book that was written to churches in what is now nowadays uh, modern-day Turkey, all around the Black Sea and the Aegean and the Mediterranean. Uh, this would have been a letter that was really kind of a sermon that Peter wrote, and it would be sent out and a church would hear it a couple times, or maybe if they were fortunate enough to have a scribe and some paper, they could copy it and, and keep it as something that would be read time and time and time again. But one of the age-old questions that it's dealing with is, why do Christians suffer? And this, these little congregations, these little probably house churches around, were beginning to see some persecution and some suffering based on their community. Now I want you to understand the historical context of this uh, so that we can begin to kind of look at what Peter is really calling them to when he calls them to a living hope. Now these, uh, believe it or not, these little churches were really being accused of being atheists. That sounds strange in our modern years, doesn't it? Because we think of atheists as people who don't believe in God. Well, that's true. They were on trial for not believing in the gods of culture. And so, they would not worship as Christians. They would not worship war. They would not worship sex as power. They would not worship money or the economy. And they would not worship powerful leaders. Now, I put this in in this context just so, because in this sermon today, there are some words and some things that I believe we just kind of gloss over because we're so familiar with them, that I think we need to understand what they were about. Now, we kind of tend to think that they wouldn't worship the statues that are represented by these situations. So I left out the names of those gods that were a part of the Roman pantheon. You probably know them. Uh, and a little trivia. Who's the Roman god of war is who? Mars, Mars exactly, yeah. And uh, and the, anybody want to take a guess at who the goddess of sexist power is? Aphrodite, that's Greek. In Roman, it was Diana. Um, anybody want to talk about uh, money and the economy? That one's pretty hard. It's a abund, Abundantia. I'd never heard of her. Another goddess. And a powerful leader. Who would that be? Caesar. Worshipped as a god. Now, our tendency is to say, oh, well, that's right because there's statues and, and as Christians we came out of Judaism and, and we don't hold any other gods. We don't make graven images. All those kinds of things. We think that's the reason. But it was it, it included that reason, but it went deeper than that. As Christians, they would not serve even the symbols, not just the symbols for what these things are, but those situations. So, war, sex is power, money in the economy, and powerful leaders. And because of this, because they wouldn't participate in the worship of these situations and their various gods, they were labeled atheists because they were strange and gave their full confidence, allegiance, and trust. To one Jesus of Lord, Jesus who they called Lord and Savior, a title that was supposed to be reserved for the worship of Caesar. So you see where this was, and they began to be persecuted in society. They began to, to be looked down upon, very, very much held at the margins. Uh, you weren't sure you wanted to sell anything to them or enter into dealings, because they just didn't buy into our way of doing life. They gave all this allegiance to Jesus, whom they called Christ, the Messiah. And so, we looked at last week, uh, Peter began to write to these churches, and he wanted them to know who they were. He wanted to remind them that they were chosen foreigners. Whether they were Jew or Gentile, it did not matter. Gentile is just a fancy word for non-Jew. It didn't matter. God had chosen them out of His love and brought them into a new community and a new family. He wanted them to remember what their purpose is. And in verse 2, we saw that they were called to be sanctified all of their life. Given and yielded to God, who cleanses it through the Spirit and makes them able to obey this Jesus who gave everything for them. We're going to continue on with that as we begin to look at three, at verse three, because Peter wants them also to remember what has happened. So if you want to look there in verse 3, the beginning of verse 3, he starts with praise. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. That's the title of our message, so we should probably spend just a little bit of time there, right? So let's look at this. The new birth and living hope. The word for new birth there is anagenesos. You want to say that with me? I know, I know. You guys are really getting into this Greek. I I have been very impressed with how you've just spoken it with confidence, or maybe you've just muttered it under your breath. But it's been good. So, anagenesis. I want you to say this together. Ready? One, two, three. Anagenesis. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Anagenesis. Now, if you're probably if you're new here, you may wonder what in the world's going on. the Bible wasn't written in English. It was originally written in Greek, and in the, the Hebrew Scriptures were written in Hebrew. So if you want to start attending here, we try and look at that, because sometimes you can't just translate things right. we got to look right at this, and I want you to hear this. So anagenesos. Let's say it one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Anagenesos. Though it's com- a combination of two words, anna, which means again, and genesis, which, which does mean birth. But what does that sound like, genesis? Genesis. Yes, and so when uh, the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek, they used the word for that very beginning, Genesis, but it has this idea of the birth, the birth of the new creation, the new world that God was bringing into existence through His words and through His, through His very life and breath. He was, he was bringing this in. So it is this Jesus, or God through Jesus has brought us into new birth, new creation. In fact, Paul would go so far as to say, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. It is, of course, like being born again. You need to get a new life. And Jesus is the one who will show you and teach you this. And then, He uses this phrase, El Pizza Zosan. I know you want to say these two words. See, we're moving just from single words up to phrases. This is a graduation time. I mean, this is good. El pizza Zosan. Ready? One, two, three... El Pizza Zosan. Wanna say it one more time? Because this is brand new phrase, full phrase, two words at a time. One, two, three. El Pizza Zosan. And what El Pizza means is a strong confidence in the good. A strong confidence that in the good. Now we think of hope, and sometimes we just think, well, I I hope. I don't know kids you guys in school i hope that the cafeteria serves something decent today you know that's probably not true but you're hoping right but this is more than just kind of this hope it is a strong confidence that the good is coming and it's not just el pizza it is zosan el pizza zosan It means that this is a lie alive. It is not static. It is a hope, a confidence in the good that is alive and it is living. That means it moves and in every situation it might morph and change just a little bit so that you understand the good is still coming and Christ can be found in the midst of any circumstance. This is a living hope. And this takes a new creation, a new birth of a human being into this Good El Pizza Zosan. Are you with me? All right, good. I want you to make I want to make sure that we got this. This is not wishful thinking. This is living hope. Wishful thinking is okay, we had the Super Bowl last week. How many of you are excited? Pitchers and catchers report this week, right? Anybody? Baseball guys? Alright, good, there you go. This is my team. This is the Pittsburgh Pirates. They, the pitchers and catchers will report on Wednesday. I have hope for about 24 hours because on Thursday they will be statistically eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> it's just how it goes. 20 years, sub 500. You know, it's, it's just one of those things. That's wishful thinking. What Peter says that we have been born into is El Pizza Zosan. A strong confidence because of Jesus. That the good is happening, even if my circumstances don't necessarily play that out. That's good news. In fact, I love what William Barclay writes in his commentary when he talks about living hope. He says, the Christian has forever beside them, even more, was one with this Jesus Christ who had conquered even death. And therefore, there was nothing left of which they could be afraid. That's the kind of hope that we're talking about. He has taken care of everything. There is nothing left to be afraid when we are one with Him. That is the living hope that we are called to. And to to go in on that, then Peter uh, just backs this up and says, so how was this accomplished? We see this at the end of verse 3 where Peter writes, you were born into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That there was something in Jesus' resurrection that changed everything. And if you are called to follow Jesus, if you say yes to Jesus, you are born into this strong confidence that life and the good is coming because of what Jesus has done. And so I want us to look at this because I can't overemphasize this enough. We are talking about resurrection Not resuscitation. Now, I want to try an example for you. Because I want you to understand that resuscitation is is coming back from death to this old life. If you've ever been declared dead and somehow they're able to to use the paddles or, or breathe that breath of life back into you, You are resuscitated. You have come back to life, surely. But you have come back to the old life. And sure as I am living and speaking to you today, you will one day again give up that breath and you will die. Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) Give you good truth. Resurrection, though. Resurrection life is going all the way through death and out the other side into God's life and creation. The new life, the new creation. (laughs) That El Pizza Zosan. It goes through death, out the other side. Death does not hold the final word. And we saw this in Jesus. Now, I want to put this in your mind because I think we just think so much about resurrection. We use that word so much. And sometimes it's like, yeah, yeah, we believe He's resurrected from the dead. And we just kind of move on really quick. So I want to try and give you a, a an image for you to see this kind of dynamic thing. So I'm going to need some help today. So can I get uh, Andy and Aiden? Would you come up here for a second? And uh, Jackson, would you come over here for a second? And, uh yes. <laughs> it uses the skateboard. See, I... I I was going I was gonna attempt this myself, but I didn't want to uh I didn't want to have to rely on resurrection um, for this uh this sermon illustration. So guys, if you would come here, um, just stand right here for a second. Jackson, would you come on up here? I knew there would be a use for this sloped floor one day. Sure. All right. So this sloped floor is kinda of like life. You're moving downhill. And the further you go downhill, the faster it goes. Can I get an amen from the seniors? Right. I'm about to hit fifty, and it's just like boom! Wow. Um, so let's demonstrate that, Jackson. Can you just ride? I mean, don't. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna move my foot here in a second. You're just gonna sit there. It's just natural that you're gonna move this direction, right? And you guys, stop him for a second. Okay. All right. There you go. All right. Stop them, Good. <laughs> Now, let's, just take it back up there, bud, to the, to the top. Andy and Aiden are going to represent death. <laughs> alright. Alright, alright. <laughs> They'll be kind. So I want you guys to, like, just make an arch, okay? So turn sideways. Turn sideways. Alright, London Bridget. Yep. Okay, so this is death. At some point, all of us will, will be making our way down, down life, okay? And uh, we're just going about our way. And at some point, because of the way things are, we will die. Resuscitation. Get back up on here. Resuscitation. Resuscitation is this. I go back up here, but I'm still on the slope. Resurrection is, Jackson, come on through. Resurrection is Jesus coming through death on out, through life. And if there wasn't a communion rail here, He would continue on as far as that can go into new life, into new creation. And this is where we are called. This is what Jesus has done. He has moved through death, all the way through death, into life. In fact, the Bible will tell us so much so that He pulled death and defeated even death in the midst of all of this. Can we give a hand to our guys? Thank you so much for your help. I hope that you will remember this because this is what the resurrection of Jesus opened up for us, for you, and for me. And Peter wants us to see what this produces in us. If Jesus has even conquered death and will be with us all the way through, what this produces in us is an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith, which, remember, whenever we see the word faith, translate that as trust, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter goes right back to using that Old Testament language that was reserved for Jews, and he now uses it for non-Jews. This idea of an inheritance. The land was their inheritance for the Jews But Peter says this is even better than that land, because that land, you saw it get ransacked. You saw it get spoiled. You saw countries come in and overtake it and burn the temple and throw down the walls of Jerusalem. But not so with this inheritance. It's not changeable. It's not corruptible. It is one that stands in heaven, which we understand as God's space. And will be revealed in the last time. In other words, heaven comes here. And this inheritance that cannot be spoiled will be revealed before your eyes. This is good, good news. And he says if all of this is true, then you need to remember why you can rejoice in suffering. He writes, in all this, you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. So I want you to know... Because some of you might right now be thinking, well, didn't you preach a sermon on denial just a while ago, changing that habit? This is not denial. This is living hope. It is a great confidence in who? In Jesus. That He who went all the way through death right down the aisle into a new life and creation will be with me, will be with you when it's our turn to take that step. So that step no longer becomes what we fear, but becomes one more invitation to see the Jesus who walked with us. It is also trusting that He is with me now. In the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your sufferings, Jesus walks with you now. And when that final suffering means that you let go of the very breath that God gave you, it is the one more opportunity to walk closer and closer and into Jesus' presence. Into that inheritance that is kept for you who trust. This is good news. Because what that means then is trials become practice. Something that we don't have to fear anymore. You don't fear practice, or at least I hope you don't. That's where you're supposed to move forward and look into what is going on. Trials become practice. It becomes practice at getting rid of dross. How many of you know what dross is? Well, I'm going to tell you. Dross. How many of you like gold? Woo! If you like to hold a bar like that. Anybody ever held a bar of gold like that? Anybody? Been to like Fort Knox? I don't know. Did they let you hold the gold? Oh, Okay. Nobody's done it. How many of you would like to just try and hold a gold bar? that would be fun, wouldn't it? Hold it. I just want you to know, if you're not aware of this, it doesn't come out of the ground like that. It comes out in big chunks. And there's all kinds of other stuff in there. There's dirt. There's even some other good things. Silver is often combined around gold. But if you want the pure gold, there has to be some trials for that gold. You can kind of see the gold there at the top has been melted down. That's your trials. It heats us up. And what comes to the top is all the stuff, the dirt, the impurities... And even some good stuff like silver comes to the top. It's that black stuff in that top pot there. And in the ancient days, this is a more modern look at it, but in the ancient days, that stuff would come to the top. And then the one who was the goldsmith would just simply pull that stuff to the sides. And it would stick to the sides so that what was pure could come forward. In this, Peter wants us to know that Jesus is that goldsmith. And because of what He has done, He is willing to risk the heat of the fire once again for you. That in the midst of that, all the stuff in that practice of those trials, whatever you may be going through, it rises to the top. And Jesus in His mercy is willing to move that aside so that what is underneath The faith, the living hope that says, I trust that the one who went all the way through death, through light, out into God's great life is going to be there with me, is walking with me right now, pulling my hand all the way along. And he will pull me even through death into the new life when that time comes. But trials become practice for letting some of this stuff come to the surface. Trials are not easy. Don't get me wrong. I don't like going through trials. Anybody here enjoy it? No. And I will tell you that it's in those trials that sometimes the dross still comes up. It's in the reactions that you don't like to have. It's in the frustrations that uh, just get at you. And sometimes it leads to unhealthy patterns of behavior. Can you know today that because of the Pizza Zosan, the living hope, those trials, when those things come up, that's where we begin to confess and Jesus in His mercy moves them away to allow that faith pure as gold to come forward. That is what we are called to. But trusting Jesus is also practice in trusting and letting go. Trusting Him. Trusting Jesus and letting... Everything else go. Everything else go. This is hard. But I want to give you an example. A week from Monday, we'll remember it's been seven years since my dad passed. And so if you're on Facebook, you start getting these memories around this time. Hey, and I I was seeing a few of them come through my feed. Hey, Dad's not doing well. Pray for him. I was asking you all to pray. Ah, not a good night. Ah, I was a little better this time. And ultimately on February 17th, at 5 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday when he used to get up to pray for me and meet with Jesus, he met face to face. He walked through the door with his living hope. But I want you to know, I watched his trials for a month. I watched him in the hospital. I watched as he was having to give up the very gift of his own body. As he was saying in subtle ways goodbye to those that he loved. His family, his friends, even his family doctor came in. He knew that something was different. But here I watched this man who had been through countless trials. I saw that over the years, Jesus had continued to move the dross away. And when He was called to give this last bit of Himself to the living hope that was with Him all through the trials, I saw pure gold. I saw a man in his dying breaths, quoting Scripture. I saw a man in his last breath, not clutching to have more, but to say, oh, to you, Jesus. All to you, Jesus. I give all to you. When his very last breaths were just almost unintelligible, you would lean in and you would hear clear words of Jesus. 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 And I'm here to tell you today, folks, I'm not just here to tell you a sad story, because I believe that my father understood the living hope that good was coming, that more good was on the way, that life would be victorious even over death. And He took that last step into His living hope's arms on that day. And my getting to watch His trials and His the dross being moved away, I saw this perfect, this wonderful, clear faith come to be. And it was only because of that it was a testimony to me. Some of you were... We're amazed that my father passed away at five o'clock in the morning on Sunday and I preached at eleven. That's not because I'm just like super strong or anything like that. It's because I saw living hope and I knew it was worth declaring even on the day that I was most in sorrow for the loss of my father. I saw the purity of living hope and I saw how well you and I can die. I saw that we have nothing to fear. Because Jesus is with us. Jesus has gone all the way through death and out into resurrection life, and He calls you there, and He calls me there, and He calls us to be a community that announces resurrection life every Sunday and every opportunity that He gives us. This is real. This is not just wishful thinking, this is solid, grounding. the one who gave everything for us it is worth every trial so let the practice begin when the dross needs to come up this is this is opportunity oh god help me in this clear the dross away that my faith may be even more refined to show the living hope that we have in you so what is your trial What are you dealing with right now? Maybe it's not atheism to the cultural gods. could be anything. What lights the fire under you and you wish you could escape? Could you maybe just stay there just long enough to say, God, help me in this trial, in this tribulation, whatever it might be, to move what is impure that needs to be let go of. Even sometimes good things. I mean, silver's not bad. But we were called for not bad. We were called for the good. We were called to Jesus. Can He come and move that away as I confess? What is your trial? Is there some dross left to be dealt with? You're beginning to see that come up in the midst of the trial? Whatever that might be, can you confess that today? And lastly, I just have to ask you, do you have this living hope? Do you have El Pizza Zosan? today you can receive it. I find it interesting that the the symbol that Jesus left for us to give us hope is at the very end of this ceremony, He says, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. That He wants us to remember death no longer has the final word. So come, come, Received my body and my blood that was dead, but went all the way through death and was called by God out the other side into life. And it's also He takes this thing that represents death. Whether you want death of the plants or the grape juice that's made or death of the, the stuff that had to go to make the, the bread. All of that comes together, but what does it do? It sustains you when you eat bread. It gives you joy when you drink the grape juice. <laughs> that the symbols of death because of Jesus, the living hope now becomes sustaining life. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come. We call this communion. I want you to know that if this is your first time here, that you are not excluded from living hope. If you're hungry for the living hope, the El Pizza Zoson that is found in Jesus that I talked to you about today, you are welcome to come and receive bread and cup. And I want you to know that Jesus wants that to be your living hope. Wants His life to sustain you in the midst of your trials. Wants you to come. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He gathered His disciples around. And He took bread, and He took cup, and He said, this is My body, broken for you. Take and eat. This is My blood shed for you. Take and drink. Those things that were hard, those trials that He went through, Bring living hope to us. So we're going to invite you in just a moment to come. I'm going to pray, and then I'll give you some instructions. But let's go to Jesus. Father, we thank You for Jesus. We thank You for His living hope that sustains us, that walks us through the trials and removes the dross as it comes up in our lives of faith. That holds our hand through the difficult times. Who gives us the Holy Spirit for the times that we don't even have words. The Holy Spirit still prays on our behalf. We're thankful that He was willing to go all the way through death trusting in Your resurrecting power. To create new life. To create a new creation. Where we can have absolute confidence. Absolute El Pizza Zosahan. Help us today as we receive bread and cup. To be fully aware that this death brought us life. That this trial sustains us in our trials. That somehow this little bread and little cup bring us the spirit that we need for our trials. Help us, Father. For we pray this in the name of our living hope. The name of Jesus. Amen. Would would you take just a moment and bow your heads? I'll ask you the questions again. What trial are you going through right now? Would you bring that before the gift of Jesus, the living hope? In the midst of the trials, are you seeing things come up that you believe He wants to just scrape away? To make faith even more pure. To teach you to trust the living hope. Whatever that is, bring that before the gift of Jesus. Do you have living hope? It is being held in your hands literally right now. John Wesley's mother, Susanna, believes she was converted to Jesus while holding bread and cup and receiving. You can receive living hope today. I'll invite you to take the bread, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, our living hope, take and eat. To take the cup, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, the living hope, take and drink. Lord Jesus, our living hope, we thank You for this reminder that death no longer holds the final word. For you, our El Pizza our living hope, have given us new birth, a new creation, an inheritance to look forward to when heaven comes to earth, when God's space invades our space, and all is made new. It is in you that we place our trust, it is you that we declare. And it is in Your hope, Your living hope, adaptable to all situations, that we say thank You. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our living hope. And everyone said, Amen. Would you receive uh, the final blessing? Would you stand? And I'm going to you do the benediction, which is just a fancy word for blessing. I'm going to do this from the last verses that we didn't get to. So receive this as your blessing. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end results of your faith, the salvation of your soul, your life, your very being. I pray that you will go in the living hope of Jesus, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Go in hope.